You're listening to the Calvary Church Audio Experience, designed to empower and encourage you throughout your week. What's up, Calvary fam? I am so grateful for the chance to teach God's Word again this week, and I want to ask every one of you here in person or online, go ahead, grab your Bibles and turn with me, please. Come on to the book of Philippians. We're going to chapter 4 today. And can you believe this is week 11 of a 14-week series that we have called Gospel-Fueled Joy. It's a collection of talks from Philippians. And we have been walking verse by verse through this letter from the Apostle Paul written from a prison cell. And as you are turning to Philippians right there in your New Testament, I want to again welcome everybody online. We're so glad to have you with us today. And mad props to our team who has made sure that we could get this going the right way. Would you clap your hands and thank God for a great team? Come on. Couldn't do it without you. You're awesome. Now, I want you to consider this before we make our confession today. And really hear my heart in hearing this talk From Philippians 4, did you know, I really believe today by the Spirit of God that some of you, you're going to be set free. I believe totally set free. And others of you will say, well, that's the deadest stuff I've ever heard. I didn't get anything out of it. And did you know it's not me, the preacher, who is the variable. The fact is, it's you, the hearer. Now think about it for just a moment. All of you, whether you're here in person or online, you will hear the same teaching today. And some of you will receive it and your lives will be changed. And others of you won't receive it and your lives will remain the same. The difference isn't me, or let me say it like this, it's not the word or The seed, Jesus called it the seed. The difference is you, or let me say this, the condition of your heart. When we talk about the heart, we talk about soil. The seed is always good. The soil is the variable. So take your hand wherever you are unless you're driving and put it right here on your heart. And I want everybody to say it out loud with all you got. Put it right here on the soil and say it out loud with all you got. Come on, say eyes to see. No, say it like you believe it. Say eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mouth to confess, all the good things Christ has already provided for me. Now, if you're ready for God's word, clap your hands and give him a good praise today. Come on. May you yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as is sown today. So today, we're going to begin focusing on a passage that's more than relevant to the world, I believe, in which we find ourselves right now. As I was studying for this talk this week, I read a report that said that personal stress, anxiety, talking about depression, worldwide are currently at record levels. In fact, according to this article, stress throughout the world is the highest it has been in decades. 
And what was sad is that grim new stats confirm a disturbing trend. More people are taking their own lives than ever before. Suicide has surpassed car accidents as the number one source of injury-related death. And a lot of suicide, we know, is linked to both depression and anxiety. And today we are going to take a close look at what I believe is one of the most helpful passages, I think, in the entire Bible for dealing with stress, anxiety in our lives. And as we have been saying throughout our study of this letter, Philippians, the Holy Spirit is showing us that abundant joy is available to those who trust the Lord for it, trust Mr. Joy himself. But if we were to be brutally honest today, whether you're here in person or online, sometimes I think life seems so chaotic, so stressful so out of control that we would say it's so difficult for me to trust God for the peace that, that I long for. And of course, living under the, the domination of anxiety, of stress, it affects so many areas of our life. It affects the quality of our closest relationships. It impacts our ability to concentrate and, and function at our optimal capacities. And perhaps I think most devastating, it can really impair the opportunities that we have to live. Jesus said, I came to give you life, to live. We get to, we get to live and we get to live out our mission, Calvary, the declaration and the demonstration of this good news, the gospel to everyone, every day, everywhere. And think about this, when we are stressed out, did you know we actually feel hypocritical because we fear that if we're struggling to trust God as believers, then what business do we have telling others about how good he really is? And that's exactly, I think, where the enemy wants us. I talked to our team this week, and I believe it's a spirit of God that a spirit of fear and intimidation has come upon the church. The enemy wants to keep you right there, but I want you to know that he can't have your Spirit. As a matter of fact, put your hand right here on your belly and I declare today that God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. And if you believe it, clap your hands and give God praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. The enemy can't have your spirit. What's the next best thing for him? It's to make you ineffective, ineffective as possible, living living out this mission, sharing the light and life of Jesus with everyone. And now, listen, church, now more than ever before, our world needs the light and the life of Jesus. Let me tell you, our world needs good news. How many of you know the world is full of bad news, bad opinions, bad advice, but Jesus is still the greatest news in the world? If you believe it, somebody say yes. And if you're online, just hit a 100 right there. Are y'all getting this? Wake up. Of course, you know, stress is caused by a lot of things. And not all stress, I would say, is, is crippling or even negative. I mean, in fact, uh, some stress, I guess people say is, is good. Low levels of stress can be, I guess, like a good motivator in helping you stay productive. Some of you 
you know, you feel it to get things done. And when we have deadlines to meet and, and responsibilities to fulfill, the stress of those challenges, I, some would say, would be a useful, uh, motivating tool. But I'm not talking about that. And the fact is, like any good thing, I'll tell you, the enemy can twist it to the point that it becomes crippling and counterproductive. And, and for a lot of us, anxiety becomes so overwhelming that we feel like we're going crazy. And for some of us, it feels like that, that fight or flight instinct is kicking in. And for those who tend to be fighters, stress causes irritability and heightens our desire to be in control. That's where some of you are. So, so we sometimes use unhealthy ways of trying to assert authority, to, to throw our weight around in a desperate attempt to try to gain back control of our lives and our circumstances because things didn't go the way we wanted it to go. And then for those who lean more on that flight mentality, don't you miss this church wherever you are. Stress makes us want to escape. And then we find ourselves very vulnerable to temptation toward unhealthy and even sinful behaviors and escape mechanisms as a means of, we would say, self-preservation. And so what do we do? And a lot of people are doing this. They withdraw and they begin to isolate. And eventually, we find ourselves retreating from relationships that God put in our life to help us. And we stop feeding on God's word, the seed. And we become weak. And we stop praying and meditating and quickly lose our way. And we stop standing firm in faith. And what do we do? We drift in another direction. So... I want to make a bold claim today, or more accurately, let me say it like this. I want to highlight quickly a bold claim that's made in the Bible about correctly handling stress, anxiety, depression. In fact, it's a claim. Did you know what we're going to study today out of Philippians is actually a claim that comes with a guarantee? Did y'all hear what I just said? Not a doctor's guarantee. Listen, Dr. Fauci don't guarantee this. This is a divine guarantee. How many of you want a divine guarantee? Let me see. Now, if I told you today's talk came with a guarantee from God in the realm of dealing with stress, anxiety, would you be even the least bit interested? If that's you, just wave your hands in the air at me and wave them like you do care. Come on. And, and I hope you would, and, and we're going to dive into it in just a moment, and I'm not going to get through it today. i got to come back next week. But first, I think it's important to understand some things. I think it's important to understand anxiety can be triggered by many, many things, and I want to quickly name just a few of them for you as we're studying today. And don't worry, I'm going to get to our text, but I'm going to call these things, I think, uh, Stress triggers, and uh, the first one I want to talk about is this one here, and it's simply crisis, crisis, and I think this one's pretty obvious, right? For every single one of us, uh, when we are facing some kind of crisis, we're prone to increased anxiety, 
and, and, and stress. In fact, I just talked about it a moment ago, but not all crisis uh, induced stress is, is bad. I've heard people say that, and, and, and you know, I know some talk about even a healthy fear that drives you out of dangerous situations or triggers a self-defense uh, instinct, and, and I'm not getting into that today. Whether it is healthy stress or unhealthy stress, there is nothing, my point is simply this, there is nothing like crisis to trigger it. And you think about it, all year long, we have heard a bunch of static. We have heard a bunch of noise, one crisis after another, a health crisis, an unemployment crisis, a food crisis, a climate crisis, an economic crisis, a political crisis, a racial crisis, which is leading to a mental crisis. Are y'all getting this? Another trigger I think that's big that we've got to talk about, and I'm not going to spend a long time on all of these, but I think it's important we look at it. And another one would be this, uh, criticism. I want to talk about this for a moment. Criticism can really get your blood boiling, especially when you are being criticized by someone whose opinion you really care about. Because the fact of the matter is, if you don't know, you're going to know that life is full of criticism. And while there is such a thing as healthy, constructive criticism, the kind of criticism that I'm talking about that produces stress and anxiety is the kind that would fall under the category of condemnation. Whereas constructive criticism can help you reasonably evaluate and, and, and become better at something in your life. Condemning criticism, what I'm talking about, is always unhealthy. And the fact of the matter is, that's where some of you live. You live under this condemning criticism. What do I mean? When you live under condemning criticism, you feel shameful, you feel inadequate, you feel worthless, you feel like you are never going to measure up and you become stressed and even depressed in the process of living under the weight of that kind of treatment. And you need to understand when you sit under my voice, you are never going to hear the word shame on you. As a matter of fact, every one of you, I don't care where you are, lift up your hands and hold them up. I declare in the name of Jesus over every one of you with uplifted hands today, shame off you in Jesus' name. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Every bit, the Bible says, of condemning evidence against you has been canceled. I declare over you, you are the righteousness of God, not guilty entirely pleasing to him and if you believe it clap your hands and give God praise come on hallelujah thank you Jesus oh then another thing real quick is this one here consequences now Hear me on this. When I talk about consequences, a lot of stress I get it comes to our lives, 
through no fault of our own, right? We would say crises, condemnation. But hear me, most of the time, don't miss this, we bring stress into our own lives because of foolish choices, foolish decisions. In fact, that is the biggest one of all right there. There isn't a person over the age of 10 who hasn't been the casualty of stress, anxiety produced because of some foolish choice or foolish decision. And I get it. We've all made some foolish decisions from time to time, which is why when we live in obedience to the will, to the word of God, Thank God we minimize the chance that the consequences of those foolish choices will bring that unnecessary trauma, unnecessary drama, unnecessary stress and anxiety into our lives. And so we could name a, a bunch of other things, but I felt the Spirit of God on this, and, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about it just for a moment before we get into the text quickly. But I'm going to round off this list Quickly with one, I, I wrestled this week to even talk about it, but I feel like I need to for just a moment. And I want to talk about chemical imbalance. And in sharing these things that, that I want you to see today from God's word about facing and overcoming stress and anxiety, I, I don't want to minimize and I don't want to ignore the fact that in an imperfect world, I hope you hear me, our minds and our bodies can fall, fall victim to that imperfection in various ways. And notice what I said. I said our minds and our bodies, I did not say our born-again spirits. Our minds and our bodies, our spirits are already perfect. Our minds are being perfected. Our bodies will be perfected. And one of the things during times like this that Christians, I am realizing, haven't always related to very well is the reality of mental illness that's caused by, I would say, psychological Factors, And I bring this up because as a pastor, I'm telling you, I am frequently asked, hey, hey, pastor, is it a sin uh, to be depressed? I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian, man. I, I love God. I, I know he loves me, but is it a sin to be depressed? The doctor says I've, I've got a chemical imbalance in my brain that, that he can treat with, with medication. But a friend of mine said to me that I... I shouldn't do this because I need to pray and I need to have more faith and who's right because I can't take it much longer, Pastor. I don't know what to do. And let me just ask you this question real quick. If you were to break your arm in an accident, do you think that your friend would claim it was a sin that you broke your arm and he needed to pray and have more faith? I doubt it. And neither is it a sin for you to seek treatment for what I'm dealing with when it comes to your brain if that is where your faith is at. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Psalm 139, 14, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, which means our bodies and our minds are very, very complex. And although I get it, doctors cannot solve all our problems, but we are grateful that God's enabled some of them 
uh, to be able to deal with minds and bodies and, and ways to overcome. So don't, don't feel that you're somehow sinning by seeking treatment. Now, don't misunderstand me, please, church. God's given us. Take one of your hands and set it right here. God has given us, and I want to remind you today that he's given us his very life. And learning to draw from his life should be your top priority, even if you are struggling with an unrenewed mind. And as you become more and more and more aware of just how close God is, and the more you realize that he loves you and he wants to help you, you begin to realize that not only does he want to help you in your spirit, but he wants to help you in your soul, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, and even in your body. And I'm talking to even those of you that are struggling right now to get out of bed, and maybe you're watching me right now, and you haven't heard that God loves you and that he's for you. Even if you got Zoloft and Prozac in your medicine cabinet, he cares about you. He wants to help you, and if you're struggling, Struggling mentally right now, you can ask him right now to guide you as you seek treatment, but you got to let his promises begin to saturate your mind and saturate your heart because the Bible says that it's his promises that restores your sanity. As a matter of fact, I feel this by the Spirit of God that some of you need to hear the voice of a good shepherd who says, I restore your soul. I give you your mind mind back. David said it like this in Psalm 42. Why are you downcast? Oh my soul. He says, but I put my hope in God. Our hope is not in a doctor. Our hope is not in medication. Our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not in a vaccination. Our hope is in God. If y'all are getting this, clap your hands and give God praise right now. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Ooh. But sometimes, I get it, he can use those things to bring you along in your faith journey. So, so that being uh, said, I want us to consider quickly what Paul has to say about now facing stress and anxiety that's caused by so many things. We could talk about even where these things come from. We talk about uh, the world, origin, external, flesh, origin, internal, the devil, origin, kingdom of darkness, uh, world, flesh, devil, uh, all of this stuff causing stress, anxiety. And we don't know, as we're studying Philippians, we don't know Paul's uh, brain chemistry because science wasn't available at that time. But we do know definitely that Paul, the writer of Philippians, was dealing with stress because of crisis, because of criticism, and because of consequences. We know that. As for crisis, I've stated throughout this entire series that Paul's what? He's awaiting his death sentence trial as he has been thrown into a prison by Roman authorities. So if ever a person was in crisis, I think it was Paul during that time. He's writing this letter on joy while in prison. And then you talk about criticism. My God, this is the guy, Paul, who was attacked and criticized by all kinds of people who hated him for leaving his religious upbringing in favor of grace and his critics were everywhere and many of them wanted to stop at nothing to cast doubt 
on his character. One theologian named Drake said it like this. Paul had enemies. He had a lot of enemies. Had a lot of people trying to drain him of his energy. Are y'all getting this? <laughs> Some of you said, I didn't know about that theologian. Who's that? And then Paul's consequences. And I just want to say this quickly. That even though he made good choices, there was a reality that there were consequences. Watch this. Even your good choices bring consequences. And his decision to boldly carry this gospel of grace throughout the Roman Empire on three major missionary journeys spanning over many years was a decision that literally, my God, church, cost him everything. So Paul knew stress as well as any human being who had ever lived. And, and you don't need to go there. I don't want you to go there, but you can write it down. In his second letter to the Corinthian church, he summarized a few of the stressful circumstances that he had faced in his life. And in recounting them, he's, he's going over it with the, with the Corinthians, not like he's a victim, but he's just letting them know what he'd been through. And he wrote, look at this in 2 Corinthians 11, starting at 23. He said, church, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged, look at that, beat more severely. You talk about stress, been exposed to death again and again. He said, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from Jews and Gentiles. Listen to what he's saying. You talk about stress. I'm dealing with Jews. I'm dealing with Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the country. Danger at sea. Danger from false wannabe believers. I have labored and toiled and I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger. I've known thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold. I've been naked. Look what he's saying. And you almost lost your mind when you couldn't get toilet paper at Walmart. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. He said, even after all of this, I still carry the weight for you and for your family, church. And then he said, who is weak? I do not feel weak. Who led to sin? I do not inwardly burn. Are y'all getting this? Wow. My God. I just love his transparency. I love it. I can't get over it. I'm, I'm, I'm mesmerized by Paul's authenticity. Every time I read his writing, he never denies his pain. That's not what I'm saying at all. He never denies his pain, but he shows us how to live with genuine joy right in the middle of his pain. Do you know what he's teaching us? Gospel-fueled joy. And this is where Philippians 4, I'm telling you, just shines. Let's look at it quick. Are you there? I've been waiting for you to get there. Philippians 4, look at verse 1. Are you there? Say yes. He continues his letter. Look at this. We've been going verse by verse. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Now look what he says. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And mad props, stop right there. Mad props to Pastor Kareem Hickman and and Pastor Eli Emiliano for holding it down for me. 
the last few weeks as they talked about those things that Paul demonstrated in his life, those, those ways of thinking of an effective believer. Watch this. Your thoughts become things. It goes back as you think, so you are. And he dealt with those things, relaxing in God's grace and remembering what matters most and focusing on it and resolving to know Jesus intimately and reviewing where we need to grow in grace and resisting both regret of the past and fear of the future. And if you've missed any of this series, I would encourage you, use the app, go to the website, stay caught up, get this word in you. Let me tell you, but look what he says. He says, stand firm. Therefore, because of all of that, now stand firm in the Lord in this way. In other words, there are attitudes that we have got to cultivate if we're going to stand firm in our faith. If we are going to stand firm no matter what the crisis, no matter what the criticism, no matter what the consequences, you better hear me. There is a lot of shaking going on right now in the world with crisis and criticism and consequences and chemical imbalances and people are shaking and drifting and falling away. But listen to me church, Calvary Church is going to be the exception because we are rooted deeply in the gospel and if I got a church that believes it, clap your hands and and give God praise right now. Is that all you got? Give him praise like you really believe it. Hallelujah. Okay, look, look at what he says. Look at what he says. He goes on with some personal remarks. He says, I plead with these two women, verse 21. Be of the same mind. Two women having issues in the church. Be companions. Help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Another guy, Clement, and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Stop right there. So he's pleading with, with two women who are both very critical in, in Paul's ministry. But there's, there's some division that's threatening the work of the gospel. Let me tell you something. You better watch it, church. A world that's trying to cause great division. Don't you miss this. Don't allow it. Apparently there was some kind of relational problem threatening unity. So Paul's pleading, walk in unity rather than divisiveness. And then finally, look at this. Paul launches into the meat that I can't get into today. I got to come back next week. But the meat is this. Rejoice, verse 4, in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Here it is. You wanted that, that, that guarantee, that divine guarantee. Here it is. Put your hand right here on your belly and be reminded. Here it is. Do not be anxious or stressed out about anything. But in every situation, no matter if it's crisis, criticism, consequences, by prayer and meditation with Thanksgiving, you let your petitions, your requests be made known to God. And the peace, whew, the peace of God whew, transcends your understanding. Where did this come from? Some of you losing your mind trying to figure it out. Hated by Shay. Losing your sanity trying to understand. But God says, my peace will transcend understanding and guard 
your heart and your mind. Don't you miss this guarantee. And then he says this because some of you, let me tell you. Look at verse 8. Look at it. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, look at it. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, he says, I want you to think on these things. Things that are worthy, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about such things. Think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Listen, I get it. Most weeks I give you an outline. I didn't give you an outline. I give you an outline so you can study on your own. But I didn't do it this week. But I'm telling you, next week I'm coming back and I'm doing something that I've never done before. We're moving out of the lecture hall and we are moving into the laboratory. And I'm actually going to take this scripture that we've just read and I'm going to walk you through something that I do almost every day, every day with scripture. Because God's begun to show me some things and I get it. I, I, Y'all, I get it. I want to begin to take these truths and, 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 and literally make it so practical you can begin to grab hold of it and see the kingdom of God manifest in your life even in days like this. But I want to make a confession to you real quick. And I know that it may surprise some of you because the reality is some of you think, oh, being daily, I see him up here, you know, once in a while. And man, I guess he's, you know, super spiritual. And my confession is this. I do not always live a stress-free life. As a matter of fact, that may shock some of you. But the reality is confessions of a pastor. I worry about stuff. Sometimes I worry about my family. I worry about my children. I worry about their future in a world like this. I worry about finances sometimes. I, I worry about the future. I, I worry about faith. I, I, I worry about you. I worry about your families. I worry about the church sometimes. Sometimes I worry about not feeling worried enough about something. And, and I'm being a little flippant here, but my point is serious. Just because I have faith in Jesus doesn't mean that I'm free from the impulses every day of my unrenewed mind, the flesh, the carnal mind, and I become anxious when I go down that road. Let me tell you something. I have chosen to go down that road many, many times. God has been dealing with my heart on some things. I have gone I'm like a victim. See, some of us, we're living like victims, like we don't have a choice. No, you do have a choice because your thoughts uh, bring forth things and you do have a choice what you will think on and you can choose not to go down that road because that road will lead to very dark places and you've got to learn how to back out of that road and hit a different road every day and that's what's called the good fight of faith. Every day we're heading down this road and I don't care if it's one time a day, 10 times a day, 
a hundred times a day. You've got to learn to bring every thought captive because you will come to a moment where there is a fork in the road and you have a choice. Which opinion are you gonna believe? And you can go with your old mind, your old mindset, or you can go with your new mind, the mind of Christ, that your thoughts are literally intertwined with the thoughts of God. Bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ on the cross. Every thought that does not line up with the knowledge of God, what God knows to be true, God's opinion. And every day there's all kind of static, all kind of noise, and you begin to believe things. And the reality is you're heading, many of you, down a road every day of old ways of thinking. Watch, wrong thinking, right thinking. Paul says, world's opinion, heaven's opinion. Thinking below the line in the realm of senses, what we see and what we hear and what we feel. Thinking above the line in the realm of faith, what God knows to be true. The carnal mind, the fleshly mind, the mind that is, that is spiritual. You have a choice. And watch this. Wherever you decide to go will produce things in your life. And some of you wonder, why am I a victim? Why do I have a lack mentality? Why am I so frustrated? Why is there so much darkness? Why is there so much depression? Why is there so much confusion? Why is there so much conflict? Why is there so much unrest? You better back out of that road and change your mind with God's opinion because God says, as you set your mind on these things, lift up your hands, every one of you. You are going to see victory. You are going to see prosperity. You are going to see health. You are going to see ease. It is going to be light, not dark. Joy, calm that passes all understanding. You're going to find peace and you're going to find and rest when you renew your mind to these realities. And if you believe it, clap your hands and give God praise right now. Clap your hands and give him praise right now. There's been a spirit of fear and intimidation that's come upon the church. Lift up your hands, every one of you, and I want you to say it out loud. I'm helping you practice. Say it out loud. Say no. No. Say it with something. Say no. Say that's not God's opinion. Say this is. Say it again. Say no. That's not God's opinion. This is. Stand up with me. Stomp your feet when you say it. Say no. no. That's not God's opinion. This is. Lift up your hands. Say no. That's not God's opinion. This is. Every day this week, I want you meditating on these verses of scripture because when I come back next week, and when you come back and bring somebody with you, we are gonna put this into practice. And I'm gonna show you from scripture how to begin to come to these moments every day in your life. The fight of faith, 
Say it. Say no. That's not God's opinion. This is. See, the problem with, the problem with some of you, watch, you don't know God's opinion. So you'll be going along and all of a sudden here comes that thought. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. No! That's not God's opinion. His opinion is that I am a royal son and I've been given dominion to reign in life. It is not going to reign over me. Are y'all getting this? You aren't gonna have enough money. Your business is gonna fail. They're saying because of the economy, you're going, no! Stomp your feet and say no! That's not God's opinion. His name is Jehovah. That means provider. And he says, I will meet all of your needs according to my glorious riches found in Christ Jesus. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Clap your hands and give God praise right now.